0: Welcome to your number one source of information on women's pelvic health. On this podcast, you will hear from medical experts, pelvic health professionals, holistic healers, and patients themselves in order to learn and understand everything there is to know about regaining and maintaining your pelvic health and becoming your own best advocate for your pelvic floor, the most vital part of our bodies as women. All of the conversations are intimate, raw, and unedited in order to deliver the most authentic information possible. Before we begin this episode, I want to tell you about an unbelievable company called Nunamed. Nunamed has created a urinary tract support tea made solely from herbs, which have been tested and proven to both prevent and treat UTIs. My pelvic floor physical therapist recently told me about this product as another one of her patients actually created it. The story behind Nunamed is crazy. The founder, Allie, was in a horrible accident a few years ago that resulted in a spinal cord injury, which then led to pelvic floor problems. Allie now catheters every day, which led to the development of recurrent UTIs. From having to take so many antibiotics to treat these UTIs, she ultimately ended up with antibiotic resistance. When she came across support tea from a naturopathic doctor, she felt compelled to put her education to work and test, source, package, and scale it in order to bring it to a larger audience. So when I found out about this product, I of course ordered it immediately and I can tell you it really, really works, even just to calm my bladder regardless of a UTI or not. I've tried endless amounts of natural products throughout my life and this is truly one of the only ones that I've seen to have almost immediate results. It's proven to be 80% effective on patients and is definitely worth a shot if you get UTIs and are looking for a first-line treatment option. It works best when consumed right when your symptoms start in order to prevent a UTI you feel coming on or to treat one that you know you already have. However, I just want to make it clear that sometimes antibiotics are necessary, so if you do have an infection, always consult with your doctor. With that said, this tea has worked wonders for me and I definitely think it's something worth trying. So if you or anyone you know suffers from UTIs, head to Nunamed.com, that's N-U-N-A-M-E-D.com and enter promo code BUYUTI, B-Y-E-U-T-I at checkout for 20% off your first order. Once again, that's Nunamed.com and the promo code is BUYUTI. Welcome back to the Women's Pelvic Pain Podcast. Today we are doing a pelvic pain story episode with Kelsey, who lives in New York now, is from Atlanta, and she has experienced several kind of different forms of pelvic pain for at least seven years.
1: Thank you for being here, and I'll let you kind of give us an intro and share your story. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Of course. Um, Yeah, so I live in New York City now, but I grew up in Atlanta, and I was about 20 years old, probably a little bit earlier when I started first having these pelvic pain symptoms, Um, but I really had no idea what was going on, Um, and when I was 20, I went to a specialist thinking that I had cysts, Mm -hmm. and uh, I was a couple days before Christmas, and I was in my hold on can i backtrack sure. what were
0: the symptoms the pelvic pain symptoms that you had um
1: just like the stabbing shooting pain and like in your lower abdominal area Yeah, lower uh-huh. abdominal and you know i just it would come and go but it was getting more intense right and now looking back i see that my hormones were kind of all over the place too I was, mm-hmm. it was very emotional um so anyways i went to uh, a specialist in atlanta that i was referred to and again, thought I had cysts, you know, had researched a little bit and was like, well, maybe they, you know, it'll be an easy fix. Right. Um, and then they said, we're going to have to have you have surgery in like two days and we think you have endometriosis. Uh-huh. And I was just shocked because right. I had never heard of that before. I had no idea what that word meant. And it was really scary. Um, you know, I'm still in college and just trying to focus on like day-to-day life and um, doing my classes and taking tests and had to kind of deal with this um, at the same time. So he went in and did find some. And luckily, I was in early stage. um, But it really wasn't until later that I understood, just because it's an early stage doesn't mean that you don't have pain. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think sometimes that's a misconception. If you have stage one endo, you think, well, you shouldn't have that much pain. And that's really not true. Um, so that's if someone is struggling with that, know that that's comforting to, right. you know, it's not correlated. Right. Um, at least from what I understand. Um, and your pain is still valid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so flash forward a few years, um, you know, I was doing pretty well um, without symptoms. And when I was living in Washington, D.C., getting my, my master's, I kept experiencing that same pain again. And I was worried, thinking, okay, I'm gonna have to have another surgery. Um, And when I moved to New York, I ended up finding a specialist and had another surgery, removed more endo, but it was still, you know, an early stage. Um, I was 27 when this happened. And then... So the time span from when you've
0: got your first surgery in Atlanta mm -hmm. to the second surgery
1: when you were 27 in New York, was how many years seven seven years, years okay. yeah yeah and so they were both excision surgeries right and so that was also kind of concerning of why I have pain because the excision you know typically is pretty effective for about a decade or so right um, so I I began to rehab it was very emotional having yeah. to do this again it was almost like I can't put my body through this again so it was more wow. mentally challenging mm-hmm. than than um, almost than physically right um, and then six months later, I'm still having this same pain. the same pain—the abdominal pain, yeah, uh-huh. this sharp stabbing pain—to the point that I fainted at work. Right. Um, and you know, it was very scary. So I was like, okay, there is something else going on. Um, I started seeing a wonderful pelvic PT here, and she said in the first session, I think you have a hernia. Mm-hmm. So we were able to use the same MRI for my second endometriosis surgery. Send it to. Um, Dr. Zoland, who is a hernia expert here in the city, and he saw it. I was very small on the MRI. So we went in, and it turns out I had four. So wow. it was more of the story, listen to your body. Right. Like it was very clear that something was not right. Um, so occult hernias are just really fascinating because I never – again, ever heard of that. I thought hernias were something that bulged out of you, is very obvious. But in females, those are just not the same symptoms. So in females, it's hidden. Uh-huh. And it's it was constantly diagnosed as a cyst. Sorry, there's nothing you can do, like send you home. And it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, so that was um, in April of 2018. So now we're in 2019. Um, and, you know, I'm still recovering. There was right. a lot of nerve damage. Um, but women should... From de- the hernia surgeries. From, yeah, uh-huh. from the damage that the, the hernias had done. So it just takes so long for that to heal and recover. Right. But the, extreme, the extremes of the pain, like, it's not at all the same anymore. Um, it was like an 8 or 9, uh-huh. you know, passing out to yeah. maybe like a 2 or 3. Right. Um, now. So, you know, it's a daily process, but... I'm so happy that this team is here because you know that's just goes to show it's like eight years of this very long journey of trying to figure out this mystery so um, it's it serves you well to do your due diligence and to keep looking and to keep finding people who will listen when you say like there's something that's not right and it's not a cyst and when you're in pain also
0: you know that something's wrong with your body absolutely like you couldn't have as many doctors as you see tell you that that the pain will go away or nothing's wrong, but in reality, you know when the pain is not going to go away, and that you need to figure out what what's causing the pain.
1: Right. Yeah. And especially, you know, being a young woman diagnosed, mm. you don't even have your voice yet. Yeah. Like you're just kind of going along. I was not comfortable with my sexuality. I was not comfortable with my pelvic health you know and and advocating for myself so now as an adult you know i'm able to really say like no i know myself now i know this isn't right i know this isn't going away and there's a difference in the feeling of pain of this needs to be addressed by a surgeon and this needs to be a Mm self-care you know there's there's differences and so like starting to trust yourself and to trust that process is really important
0: so the hernias were causing you the pain so Was it a weird coincidence that you happened to have endometriosis? Like, was the endometriosis causing you pain, or was that pain actually coming from the hernias? I think the endosurgery
1: was definitely needed, Uh um, which is good. Did you have, like, symptoms of endometriosis? Yes, Uh yeah. And I, But, you know, I've talked about this with my uh, physical therapist, Uh because, you know, you go through all these surgeries. I'm like, well, was that necessary? And she's like, yes, that was was necessary. Um, However... I think the main pain was from the hernias hitting those nerves, mm-hmm. and again, it's like something that is really hard to see on MRI, and he they weren't looking for it when they right. were they were just looking for endo, right. so they're not going to be looking for this hidden um, hidden hernia, except you know Dr. Zolan when he has his expertise and he can like pinpoint such a tiny thing, and it's it's something that you don't even think is going to cause that much relief, but it it really does. Do they know how you got these hernias? So this is another thing that I wish I would have known. I just, I feel like I keep educating myself Mm -hmm. through this process, but I didn't realize how important pelvic PT was. Right. So when I was 20, after my first surgery, i never went to physical therapy i didn't i rehabbed myself which is i mean no one told me to do anything differently i i didn't know any better because pelvic floor physical
0: therapy i've never i don't have endometriosis but i assume that that's a crucial part of the healing process after an excision surgery.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. After mm-hmm. I, after what I've been through, I was like, I don't know how this wasn't recommended before. Right. So um, over time, your pelvic floor becomes weak, and then those tears are more likely the to happen. Mm-hmm. That's my understanding uh-huh. um, from what I've, you know, been talking to my doctors about. Again, I don't want to yeah. <laughs> say anything that's totally out of my wheelhouse, but. Um, yeah, so it, mm. it really is something that if I, maybe if I would have known a long time ago, right, maybe this I would have strengthened it, um, and now I do know, so it's like every day I'm very mindful of mm. um, my physical therapy, my rehab, you know, that will, that's forever now, like the way I take care of my body, I, I will do those yeah. stretches and exercises every day, because it's not an option not to anymore Mm -hmm. um just because now i want to be really proactive and you're mindful about everything right and it's crazy like if you don't move and exercise in some capacity like i can feel that fluid not moving through through my body now so it's like fluid gets trapped in the uh, hernia area. I, right. Again, not the medical expert. Me either, so. <laughs> but, oh, <God. laughs> but the healing process, it, I didn't even realize how long it takes. Like mm-hmm. it could be a year, it could be a couple of years for the nerve pain to finally subside. So Interesting. yeah, it's fascinating. So after you had the excision
0: surgeries, mm-hmm. did the pain go away? Or because the, if the pain was from the hernias, I'm curious if Mm -hmm. whether you had this excision surgery for the endometriosis like did it help with the pain or were you still constantly in this pain Mm -hmm. until
1: you dealt with the hernias seven years later Mm -hmm. the first endosurgery yes my pain totally went away um, and I don't think I had the hernias yet. At that time? Yeah. Got it. I think I know when they started. Uh-huh. And I think they I think they began forming when I was in grad school. Right. Because um, now I can kind of track that. But it makes sense that the pain would increase over time as the hernias get bigger. Right. So the second surgery, my pain did lessen. Because I, I do feel, you know, there was some endo growth. And mm. it was important to take that out. Um, but it was, like, not lessened to what it should have been right so um and now i know why but absolutely it did make a difference Mm -hmm. um and now hopefully i won't need another excision surgery for a long time while Uh yeah
0: and when they address the hernias
1: they have to surgically remove hernias as well right so he goes in. he went in and used surgical mesh Uh to close the openings Uh yeah and so you know i was very worried at first and you know because i I just didn't want anything to, you know, I didn't want to move too quickly and right. mess anything up. So you can't like lift over, I think it was five pounds for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mesh is in there, but I think it's, he said it was a 99% chance that I would never have to have it again. So I was like, I will take those odds <laughs> and do this That's now. That's so interesting. Yeah. So, and it's, it's really amazing when you think about how much your body can continue to do when you're in pain. Mm -hmm. Like I pushed myself through so many things with four hernias. That's, and I had no idea, but you know, when you are a woman with chronic pain, as I'm sure you understand, like you have this high pain tolerance that you just keep going. Mm -hmm. And then your body eventually, you know, maybe, maybe you faint and you're like, okay, this is, it's time to really slow things down and figure out what's going on.
0: Yeah, and it's unfortunate that it has to get to that point in order for you right. to realize that this is something that has to seriously be addressed.
1: Yeah, or even sometimes for people to take you seriously. Yeah,
0: that too. Yeah. Probably so. more so that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so mm. how many doctors do you think it took you – how many doctors did you see until the point where it kind of took you to have this answer about these hernias?
1: Oh, man. Okay, so counting my time from D.C. Yeah. on when this – second wave of pain happened i would say five right five or six yeah yeah and doctors were just telling you it's a cyst Mm -hmm. yeah don't worry about it yeah i had several several obgyns say it's just a cyst there's nothing i can do i don't see it on the screen it must have burst sorry and that happened so many times that i was like this can't be what it is like i'm not I, I know myself, like, this has to be something, something different. Else. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I've had cis bursts before, so, I, so have I, you know, and you know Painful. that pain, right? Yeah, and then it goes away. Right. So it, there's, like, and you feel it when it's subsiding, but it's, yeah. you know, it takes a while, but you know the difference. So, absolutely. Learning your body and learning what means what is something only you can, can know. A hundred percent. Okay, so another question I wanted to ask you was,
0: I guess, throughout this entire time span that you've had these issues, endometriosis and the hernias, up until now, but how did it and how does it continue to kind of just
1: affect your everyday life? Mm -hmm. Man, I really, everything I think about it, but work definitely is the first thing that comes to mind. so for anyone that is dealing with issues at work mm-hmm. and, and working with chronic illness, you know, I think I had to learn my own boundaries. Right. I had to learn what I was physically able to do and not, and and be okay, mm-hmm. but also emotionally what I was able to handle. Um, I'm a therapist. So working in a very high, high stress environment, um, there are lots of different you know, environments you can practice therapy in. But Wait, and how old are you now? Did you say this? I'm 27. 27 now. Yeah. okay. So, working in something that's so high stress mm-hmm. really triggers these things. So, no matter what kind of self care I was doing and how healthy I was eating and how much I was exercising, like being in an environment that was really triggering, it was like all that hard work in went New York. away. This yeah. Which is your
0: job in New York, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, I think I had to make a decision of, what am I willing to, like? What am I willing to do? Because mm-hmm. um, I love the work I do. I love, um, especially working with women, working with adults. You know, yeah. dealing with day-to-day issues. So I need to find an environment that is conducive to me. Right. So now, you know, I don't have a typical nine-to-five anymore. Um, and I love it. It's like, it's my, my stress level has plummeted and I can relate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like your whole body feels like I, like, I feel like I can breathe again. Yeah. Um, just because my body is relaxed. Mm. And you, I think in the moment too, you might not even realize how much stress you're under, but your body can feel it. If you're always in flight or flight mode, you know, that cortisol is always going to be pumping. And that's something that we have to be more mindful of. And it's OK like to let go of guilt and not feel like you have to be in a job, um, even though you might enjoy it. Like, mm. And I definitely absolutely loved my, my job that was higher stress. But letting go of guilt of it's OK to not do a 9 to 5. It's OK that your day to day looks different than other people. Doesn't mean you're any less of a hard worker. It doesn't mean that you're not doing something you're great at, something that you love. Like, it's it's okay to put your health first.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that's been my, my major discovery yeah. since moving here. Um, I feel like dating is really hard <laughs> with this. I don't know how you feel about it. Really hard. It's really difficult. And, you know, just dating in general in New York is not exactly easy or pleasant. And then pleasant. this
0: adds a whole other element to right. it. Right. Yeah. It's like,
1: when do I have this conversation? Yeah. and It's a conversation I don't really want to particularly have with people yeah. most of the time. Right. Um, with girlfriends Especially or people friends. you don't know. Yeah. That's guy. Oh, exactly. Like, yeah. And they don't understand what no. you're talking about. I've known one man who was like, oh, I understand what a pelvic physiatrist is and I was like this is amazing you know but like no one else understands or they think that something's wrong with you still or you know there's all these misconceptions and it's like no we just need I just need you to understand that some days this might be going on right and either you're on board or you're not right um so I think finding a partner who gets it Mm -hmm. I know it's possible and I know it's out there it's totally possible yeah and it's just you, I think almost it adds another layer of, like, trust. Mm-hmm. And I have never, I have yet to have a surgery and a hospital stay where my significant other was emotionally there for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it always ends up being that they leave at that instant or that there's a huge rupture or something that's happening in the relationship because right. they can't handle it. Um, and it is a lot to put on another person, but at the same time, you know, it's like our day-to-day that we're mm-hmm. dealing with. So if, if we expect, like, that's how we would treat someone, to be there for them, like, we deserve that, too, as women. Like, Completely. there are men that get it and who are on board and are supportive because everyone has their stuff.
0: And something that I also realized more and more recently is that having these sort of chronic issues and having a boyfriend or a girlfriend or any partner that is in your life at that time mm-hmm. – It kind of fast tracks the whole entire relationship because you realize so quickly that if this person is capable or is not capable of dealing with these things, you can't have a sustainable life with that person. But it's kind of in a weird way a blessing because you would then maybe the relationship would carry on for so many more years until you would realize that this person maybe isn't all that they should be or that you want them to be. And I just think that having these sort of health issues makes you realize this way sooner on. You're like, okay, this person is not the right person for me because they don't, they're not willing to understand what I'm going through. Exactly. I totally agree. And as you agree. said, everyone has something. So right. whether it's now or 10 or 20 or 30 years from now, like you're going to want to be with someone who can sympathize and be there for you emotionally, mentally, physically, you know.
1: Exactly. I, I totally agree, and it, I, I do think it definitely fast-tracks things, and it's not necessarily a bad thing right. when I think about it that way. Right. Like, how, what kind of character do you have? Because right. we're gonna find out really quick, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and do you want that person in your life? Right, and I would say the same thing with friends. Mm. Like, I, totally my girlfriends always have my back. Mm. Like, I am completely in awe of them all the time. Um, I live with my best friend from high school, mm-hmm. and she has been there th- so hard through all of this. Yeah. You know, she has been there every day in and out. My girlfriends in DC, like, I planned a trip to Italy that I had to cancel like mm-hmm. two weeks before because I had to have this surgery in April. And they literally got a cardboard cut out of my head and carried around Italy. That is so funny. Yeah. So I, you know, <laughs> my head went to Italy. But I'm in all these pictures. And it's just like those are the types of female friendships, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. Because they get it. And and they they get it if I'm like I'm just not up for this or that. And they Completely. there's no questions. And there's not guilt, you know. There's just, there's only love. Mm-hmm. And they've taught me how to be a better friend. You know, they've taught me what that selfless love looks like. Um, and sometimes I don't know if it if you have ever experienced this, but sometimes I almost feel guilty, like they do so much without me ever asking. Right. And it's like it's almost overwhelming of how you know how wonderful yeah. your female friends can be. Yeah. It's just they're they're amazing. Yeah. But so. that's you realize
0: when you go through these things how kind of lucky or special Mm -hmm. it is to have these relationships with people that you might not have necessarily, like, fully appreciated. Oh, yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. And I know a lot of women that would probably agree that, like, you never stop needing your mom. Yeah. You know, I never. God bless her. She has rehabbed me so many times and you know, <laughs> helping me shower and dress and yeah. stuff that she should not have to do when I'm 27, you know. Yeah. But she she's selfless with mm-hmm. that. And she she is grateful that New York has had such a good team of people. So you really do. You see who's in your corner and who has your back and who's going to be lifelong mm-hmm. with you through this. So it, as many things that as can be challenging in friendships and relationships, there's like this amazing other side right. that you really get to know people on a different level completely yeah and well speaking of your mom I assume that you
0: I mean you said she was a large part of kind of your support Mm -hmm. while you were going through this but is there anyone else or you can talk about your mom but in specific that you kind of went to to talk about the problems that you were having throughout the whole process like who were your kind of go-to people whether it was like a mo- your mom or you know a therapist or mm-hmm. who
1: did you rely on the most or no one if mm-hmm. you know i definitely definitely my mom yeah. um you know i i talked to her a lot about just the day-to-day things that are yeah. difficult um you know and her kind of giving me that freedom and permission to be like kelsey you don't have to cook tonight like just go get a salad or so right. you know like having her kind of rationalize some things of like just take it Which easy. Which we always need someone to rationalize right, our right. own thoughts. <laughs> exactly. And she's like with logistics and yeah. like she's she's perfect to talk to you about that stuff. Um, in terms of like relationships and dating issues, like I would definitely go to Lindsay, my best friend, right. you know, talking to her. I talked to her a lot about how difficult it was. And I, my other friend from high school lives in Denver. And, I, you know, she always has a listening ear and those girlfriends, girls from D.C. So, um, you know, being able to open up to them about like this is how this is affecting my dating life and this is how this is affecting me at work Mm -hmm. um i was also really lucky with you know girls that i went to the program with at gw and um, getting my masters and then some of them moved up here and then i had some girlfriends at work and like they could see it every day they could see it on my face that i was in pain and still going but you know just little things that they would do um you know like, getting me a coffee or something something small, like, makes a big difference. Um, So definitely, I I would say emotionally, like, the support system was wonderful. But I saw a therapist. Um, Mm. You know, I think any good therapist will tell you they see a therapist, too. Right. Um, And it's so important to process our own stuff. So when I was in D.C. dealing with this, I went to a woman and – she was she was fantastic she really for the first time helped me really own my story mm-hmm. and it was something that i had minimized for such a long time of oh yeah i have endo and i don't really think about it cuz at you know i it's not yes it's a chronic illness but it's not life threatening you know i it was i minimized it so much mm-hmm. as like it could be so much worse um, but she really helped empower me to Recognize that this is just a part of my story, and it's still affecting me. And um, when I moved here, I actually saw a somatic therapist, um, and she is fantastic, Andrea Lay. What is a somatic therapist? So it is, she works, you lie on a table, Mm -hmm. um, and she works... I think she usually starts at my feet. Andrea, if I'm getting this wrong, I'm sorry. Um, she starts at my feet and then asks me, like, where my pain is. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of having this cool out-of-body experience. Like, your mind is talking to your body. And she helped me really understand that my body is holding the trauma. And I I just would lay on that table and, and weep. And it was such a release mm-hmm. that, like, she said – you're angry at your body. Your body has betrayed you. Right. And I was. I was so angry and I it took me, you know, several therapists to really understand that and those, you know, talk therapy and somatic is really awesome to do a combination of both. But owning that and then kind of forgiving my body. Like, you know, I only have one one of you. Yeah. So like I, I got to get through this. I have to figure out how to make peace with you. Mm-hmm. Um So really beginning to let go of the anger at myself or feeling like it's my fault, feeling like it's a personal failing. Um, There's always that discomfort kind of in the back of your mind of, um, well, will I be able to have kids or will this affect me? Or or what will next year look like? Because the past couple of years have been completely unexpected and um, really difficult. So you do have that fear. But um, if you're going to a good therapist, you can kind of learn to Mm self-talk. And it's a daily thing. It's a daily struggle I have to do. Mm -hmm. And
0: I also just want to touch upon something that you said with how the first therapist helped you come to terms with, like, owning your story. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. so important and something that a lot of people probably can't even do throughout their entire life. Right. And I think especially a lot of women kind of – have some sort of chronic illness or any sort of health issue and want to shove it under the rug because they don't want to talk about it. They don't want people to know that they have it. They want to present themselves that everything's fine, which Mm -hmm. is how we all kind of want to present ourselves. Right. But I think that there is so much importance to being able to come to terms with what you're going through and then being able to articulate that to people who are important to you and even people who you meet that maybe you don't know you meet for the first time and being like this is who i am this is my story like we all have a story Mm -hmm. and kind of being confident in talking about it oh it's like a huge part of the healing process and just self like care and self-awareness and being comfortable with yourself Absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, and this podcast... And it's hard
0: to do that. It's, like, really hard for people, you know. Right. Even me, me it's, it's hard for all of us to talk about our what we're going through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, this podcast can give so many women a way to identify. Thank of, you. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's amazing. If I would have had this 10 years ago, yeah. then it would have maybe I would have not felt alone or mm-hmm. crazy or, mm-hmm. like, pain was in my head, right. you know. Because when you share your story you're empowering other people to also own their stories and and it takes some control back mm-hmm. you know like we so many doctors are making decisions for us and there's so many things about chronic pain that are out of our control and it's scary and it's financially draining and emotionally yeah. draining so any way that you can own it and take some power back feels really good so I, I definitely think being open and getting rid of the stigma and the mm-hmm. taboo of pelvic pain. Mm-hmm. Like it's so many women are affected by it and we have to be more open about it. Because, you know, endometriosis this year or last year, I'd have so many of my friends saying, I just saw a commercial for endometriosis. Like it's all over the place now. Yeah. Um, or at least maybe I'm more <laughs> aware no, of I, seeing it now. I've, people have been completely talking about and I feel like that's
0: the first kind of, diagnosis under the uh, umbrella of pelvic pain that's coming to the forefront,
1: right uh-huh. right And especially like young women um, who are just coming into their own and coming into their sexuality like they don't know if this is supposed to hurt or what right. is this normal that I feel this way or you know ha- they don't and they might not have anyone to ask. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we are as a public you know finally educating on this stuff is yeah. really important. And something that I kind of have found, more, I
0: continue to find more and more throughout having pelvic pain and being open about talking about it and starting the podcast is I would say at least once a week, I meet someone else who has these issues. And yeah. if this was something that I never had spoken about and kind of just kept to myself throughout my life, I would have had no idea how many other women have the same exact problem. And it's not even people reaching out to me directly, but it's like a friend of mine who has a friend who says, oh, I have this issue. And then that friend says, oh, well, I have a friend who had started this podcast and like has experienced the same thing. You should talk to her. And just from talking about it and putting this information out there, I mean, I've seen so it's sad, but it's also, you know, this is how people can get help because We talk about it and, you know, you say, oh, I go to this amazing physical therapist. I see this doctor. Like, you should do this. You should see this person. Like, maybe you have these issues. And it's just the communication and the conversation around these topics Mm -hmm. that help people to, like, regain their health. And, you know, if no one's talking about it, no one's going to know what's wrong with them and no one's going to know what to do about it. And I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. But I can say, like, listen, I see these people who have helped me. You should see them, too. And if it weren't. For the conversation Who knows how long it would Take for all of these people To kind of figure out What's going on with them Right. And I always tell people that too I'm like just talk about it because mm-hmm. you will find someone really quickly who has the same exact thing as you. But if you don't talk about it, you're never going to know. The first week I was in my physical therapist office, I saw a friend that I went to school with there. And I looked That's at her crazy. and I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> She's like, what are you doing here? And then she came on the podcast. That's and awesome. yeah, but it's just, you realize how common these issues are. Yeah. And that they are treatable.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And they're, and it might not ever be quote unquote normal, Mm -hmm. but you can get a new normal. Yeah. And once you do realize that, okay, I can have a quality of life that is good again. Uh It's, it's life-changing and it it takes talking about it and it takes being really persistent Mm -hmm. and going to see more specialists or going to see a different team of doctors you know like sally Sarah. she practices in new jersey and new york this is your physical therapist yes Uh um she's fantastic and i mean she didn't even just because she has such experience and such knowledge with hernias she didn't even look at my mri and she could tell you know that i had this how could she tell That is a good question. (laughs) I think when she was doing the exam, um, she could feel Uh on my stomach area Uh that it was, there was something, like a hole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, I'm probably butchering how she did it. But, you know, and again, obviously we had that confirmed. But she recommended me to pelvic rehab medicine. And Dr. Ahmed, you know, she helps me. Like quarterly, I go do shots to help um, just calm down my pelvic floor. And do
0: you feel that they help?
1: Absolutely, Mm. yeah. And I think it's something that it's if you're in a crisis, like if if you are have a really bad flare up, you know she you can go in there and get treated. So it's not something I do regularly, but Mm. um, I was going to her pretty regularly in the beginning. So like they're fantastic, and then they you know hooked me up with. acupuncturist here so Mark Thompson acupuncture is in Midtown here and they specialize in pelvic acupuncture and it's really made such a difference because now I'm at the point that that's amazing it's it's incredible like I would have never thought that acupuncture had an effect on your pelvic floor because right. um, I just didn't know any better. Do they
0: do anything different? I mean, I don't know if you've been to an acupuncturist who doesn't specialize in the pelvic floor, but is there something that they do differently? I'm just curious. Yeah,
1: they do like the normal, I guess, trauma points. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and he also, you know, Javier is the person i see there and he really recognizes like okay this is an emotionally traumatic thing so we're also going to address that so it's mentally helpful and then he also does like right on that inguinal um nerve area the, the i guess not dry needling but it's um he's really working that muscle out because mm-hmm. it's still there it's getting looser every week which is great but um they're it's just because the, the nerves are still healing. Right. So he helps really target that in a in a different way. So it goes really well head in hand with pelvic PT. Mm-hmm. But it's really helping those muscles calm down and release. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he does recreate the pain when you're there. So it's a, it sometimes can yeah. hurt a little bit. But it's like immediately, like after the next couple of days, like it was so a huge relief. relief. Wow. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about
0: what your process now is like in terms of the healing and recovery process after finally being diagnosed and treated for all of the
1: things that you were experiencing? Yeah, I would say every day um, I journal now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so it I starts, want to start doing that. Oh, I love it. You know, yeah. I, I got onto, because of my best friend, she does this too, it's the five minute journal and it's like a bullet journal. So it doesn't take too much time and you do it in the morning mm-hmm. and at night. I need to start doing this. I, it's something I think about often, yeah. and I haven't done it. But
0: I feel like it just a is therapeutic, and b you kind of can look every you can look back at every day, like mm-hmm. how you were feeling, what you wanted to do with that day, like what your emotions were, and like yeah, what you want to accomplish. And it's really cool to have that kind of logged on paper
1: oh it's amazing and you can even just see week to week mm-hmm. your progress and it's i got mine on amazon yeah. so sh- shameless plug for amazon yeah. um but <laughs> <laughs> you they have a quote of the day and it's it's just nice because it's not this intimidating of like spill your guts right it's very that like directed right um which is and if i'm going to do something in the morning like i can't
0: efficient yeah i need done, to do it yeah. quick
1: um so that's i start with my mind mm-hmm. i have to start with Putting myself in a good headspace. Um, I always do my PT and some type of exercise. I don't do anything that aggravates the pelvic floor anymore, which is tough because that means no more spin right. or running. Yeah. Um, so, yoga and Pilates and bar are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, I'll do that. I've heard
0: controversial things about bar.
1: So, yes, this was something I learned. I don't do certain moves. Mm-hmm. So I I kind of cleared it with my PT. So right. talk to your pelvic PT. Yeah. Um basically I like do the videos mm-hmm. so I can kind of skip around. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, and do some videos too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cuz I was like it's just easier than actually going so there. Easier. Um so yeah, talk to your PT yeah. and see cuz there are certain moves that I do not do.
0: Uh-huh.
1: um but the some that are really good like the cuz they have a lot For of pilates esque yes yeah. stuff. Um, so be mindful of that. That's a great yeah. point because some things can be really yeah. triggering. Um, I would have not thought that.
0: And the spinning. Yeah. That, that's a tragic thing too. I, I know I'm the same way. I, I still do it once in a while. And whenever I do it, cause I, I, I feel good while I'm doing it. Right. And it's so weird because sometimes after I feel great and sometimes I'm like, holy crap. I feel like shit what have I done what have I done <laughs> and I when I was in California I went to a SoulCycle class and I really I did not feel a lot afterwards and I was like I'm not going back to a spinning class for a year hmm and then I went last week <laughs> but my physical therapist said she said what well, if you're gonna do a spinning class don't do the sprints she said the sprints oh. are what really makes you contract and mm-hmm. tighten your pelvic floor and she said don't sprint. If you want to do it, just take it slow. Go
1: at your own pace. Sit down when you need to. Yeah. Don't sprint. See, and that's good to know. And it actually helped. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's good to know. because, mm-hmm. And then I'd have to, like, sit in the back cause I be yeah. Yeah. because I don't want mean, to be yelled at. It depends, like, the, what kind of I know. instructor you're getting. I know. Sometimes they're, like, you're not keeping up. I'm like, no, I just can't. I know. Yeah. But that's good to know. Maybe yeah. I can incorporate that one day. Yeah. Slowly. Slowly. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then nutrition is mm-hmm. something that's, some, like, very – helpful um I'm I try to be paleo so Mm -hmm. I don't always succeed but (laughs) um if if it's like if it's five or six days out of the week that I'm good it's better than nothing it's yeah Uh and it makes a huge difference
0: I agree and you also don't want to be so extreme which is something I've gone back and forth with my entire life Mm -hmm. when you're so extreme it takes like a really big mental toll right and to a certain point you kind of just want to live your life and not think about everything you put in your body yeah obviously You know, people like you and I are already so mindful of our bodies Mm -hmm. and it's so important to eat healthy. But at the same time, it's also important to realize, okay, if I do this five days a week, that's great. And the other two days I can have fun and go out with my friends and do what I want.
1: Right. Uh And I never want to be that person who's like... Yeah. drawing attention of like yeah. oh well which restaurant are we going to go to because yeah. and you know and normally, i've already <laughs> gotten myself that i have too yeah. <laughs> so i'm like guys i'm not picky i can find something wherever we go i'm the same exact way. <laughs> but and it's just because they care yeah. and they love you yeah. um but yeah so i feel like if you're doing all of those things uh-huh. like the best you can yeah. most of the time like it does make a huge difference but you can't right. kill yourself over mm. it either mm. it's because that's not sustainable Exactly. Yeah, that's actually what I. That's the word that I use. I'm like,
0: is this sustainable? Like, is it sustainable to do this? Exactly. Yeah. Think about it. If it's not, like, you
1: have to just incorporate more balance into your life. hmm Yeah, and I think if you start with that mental piece mm-hmm. every day, it's that's made the most difference for me. Mm-hmm. And I look back at the journals of when I was recovering from. Uh, last year and it was just like heartbreaking I came and read them but it's just it was such an emotional I was so down you know and it was um but looking back then to now like you said it's like right. a record right and you can see like okay that's growth and while I felt so really weak yeah you, like I felt so weak but you're forever. so strong oh yeah. yeah yeah and it's something that can help other women like if you have a friend that goes through the same thing like okay, this is what I did. And, like, even on the days where you feel like crap and you do not want to write, like, just do it because mm-hmm. it's, it's cathartic to get it out. And then you're going to look back a year later and be like, I'm a warrior. Like, we are strong. Mm-hmm. Women with chronic pain are the most incredibly resilient group of women I've mm-hmm. ever met. And we just keep going, and you have to. And to have a record of that, I think, is can be really empowering. Like I said, you know owning your story. Um, so I, I definitely encourage people to do that. I, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna get a journal today.
0: Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and as you said, it's not like you have to sit down for an hour, or right. an hours a day. Like you can sit down for five, 10 minutes in the morning mm-hmm. or at night or whenever you have time during the day. yeah, and just write down your thoughts mm-hmm. for five minutes. Yeah, and it can be like a
1: simple thing. And the part of that gratitude, this the journal mm-hmm. is focused on gratitude. And so I think that also helps reframe because, like, sometimes the things that you and I are grateful for are gonna look very different right. than other people that don't right. have chronic pain. Like, a lot of times I'm like, I'm grateful that I could do yoga today. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that I woke up with a two pain level today mm-hmm. instead of a five. Right. And, you know, that acknowledging those things on good days can be really helpful. And then on bad days, it's like, okay, I'm still gonna find something. Like I'm grateful that I can work from home today because mm-hmm. it's a really bad day, or so, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Um, there's always something to find, and it, that increases our resiliency and our grit. You know, being in a headspace that we're grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really changed my my outlook. And I also one other reason that I
0: think that journaling is. Really, actually, such an important exercise is because not that I I don't do it, but I'm gonna start doing it. (laughs) But really, is because even this is what my dad says to me. He, you forget when you're going through some sort of health issue, you forget what you did. You forget what you did yesterday. You forget what kind of the past year, two years, three years looked like. And I think that if let's say you have a flare up, you can look back and be like, but I felt good for this amount of weeks or this amount of months. Mm -hmm. And when you you know have a week where you don't feel well you forget about the weeks that were good mm-hmm. and having it written down in front of you and being able to see oh well all of these days i felt so good so you know what i'm having a bad day today or i'm having a bad week but don't get discouraged because you had so many good days before this like mm-hmm. you're not going to be in this place forever this is just like a small period of time
1: yeah it's temporary yeah and that's such a relieving thing to think mm-hmm. about too Absolutely. like It's, if you, cause, and sometimes it, it feels like it's going to go on forever. Yeah. But to remind yourself, like, okay, it's just a bad day. Yeah. And, and finding those, like, little things that do make you feel better. Right. It might be, like, as simple as, like, a funny show or mm-hmm. uh, going for a walk. Sometimes, like, I do not want to move, but if I make myself move, it does help. You feel better. Yeah. Always. So, I like that. Your dad makes a great point. <laughs> <laughs> and you, do, so you forget true. what doctors you went to. You forgot. Right
0: you know did you sleep badly one week and that made you feel worse like yeah you forget all of these things so it's just kind of helpful and interesting to have a lot of this written down mm-hmm. and to be able to look back at it and be like oh this week this happened this week that happened like anyways
1: yeah um okay
0: my last question for you well two questions second to last question is what are the symptoms that you're currently left with like what is it that you're mm-hmm. still struggling with
1: Um, it's definitely, it almost feels like arthritic hips, Uh which sounds strange, but that's just that fluid from the hernia repair is still working its way out. So I feel very stiff in the mornings, especially. Um, and then it's getting better, but that, um, it's more of like a, a dull pain now than a sharp stabbing pain Uh in the pelvis. But, um, that gets better if I'm exercising and moving. So all of this that has happened like if those are my only things that i'm mm-hmm. dealing with i'm thrilled right because <laughs> it has like okay i have things that i can do to address right. this and um yeah acupuncture and pt are something that i will be doing forever and mm-hmm. and if that's if that's what, what maintains right that's great right like, and it becomes a mindset of like okay i'm going to get to this new normal mm-hmm. of like a level two pain and that's going to be my normal and that's okay so what do I need to do to make that stay at a two? Mm-hmm. And incorporating that as much as you can. Can you give us a quick explanation of
0: how you think, like just in your own terms, how pelvic floor physical therapy has helped you recover?
1: Uh, definitely the strengthening aspect, uh-huh. you know, because I didn't even realize how weak how weak everything was. Right. Um, so strengthening, but also it's such an emotional relationship mm-hmm. you have. Like because it's so personal, what what you guys are talking about and what you're doing, and so I feel like as much as it's been physically healing and strengthening, and like learning how to stretch and um, you know being able, really having I had to relearn how to walk again. You know, like when you're yeah. when you're anything with your pelvis, you're having to relearn these skills. Um, but the emotional piece of just not feeling like I'm alone, right. like your your pt is like your biggest advocate and a coach and i don't know she i just i talked to sally about just about everything and having someone in your corner i think helps more than you even realize like with your healing process and from my knowledge she's had
0: endo and hernias and all of the same issues that you've had so mm-hmm. yeah that probably makes it even that much more of a special relationship
1: yeah and like speaking of what you were talking about earlier like using your own platform Mm -hmm. like she uses her voice to be such an advocate for women and she's organized the endometriosis summit Mm -hmm. in March Mm -hmm. in Hoboken so if anyone's in that area go check it out right and it's really like she is making this a patient centered summit Mm -hmm. you know she wants it to not be about pharma she wants it to be about Mm patients and care and and she is a perfect example of someone who has taken their story and owned it and not only uses it as her platform, but helps so many other women. So she she's amazing. Can I ask you one other question? Sure. Did you have any sort of
0: pain, like vaginal pain or rectal pain or bladder pain? Because I know that that sometimes comes along with endometriosis and obviously are indicators of different pelvic floor issues, mm-hmm. um, so I was just curious about that. Or, like, sexual like pain with intercourse. I know mm-hmm. a lot of women who have endometriosis have that. So did you experience any of those problems, or was it mainly just pain in your, like, lower abdominal area?
1: Yeah, luckily I didn't have that experience mm-hmm. as much. Um, I would say definitely the bladder issues yeah. because the nerves are so – And I learned this too because I had no idea. I just, the nerves are connected to your bladder from the inguinal nerve. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and to your stomach as well. So I was having tons of nausea, Mm -hmm. always having to go to the bathroom. And it's because all of that was in spasms. So that's making your stomach feel nauseous and the nerves go to your stomach and your bladder. So that was a main symptom. Uh, Luckily, like the, I would say, vaginal pain was. Mm is a lot better now um and really wasn't too bad until my hernias Mm -hmm. arrived yeah so i knew something was off but it wasn't um how i've had you know other women describe like during pain during sex and all that but i don't think that was what was going on so Mm -hmm. much it's it was just like the nerves were so affected and it like shoots the the nerve pain would shoot through your pelvis so luckily I did not have those symptoms um but it's so weird because everyone's pain looks different it's different i know and that's why it's so hard to diagnose mm-hmm. sometimes yeah so
0: is there well yeah nearly i mean yeah it's really hard to diagnose yeah mm-hmm. and everyone like even though their pain is different people also explain their pain differently right and like in my head i had burning and itching and i uh-huh. was Never saying I was in pain because I was like, "This isn't pain. I am bur- I have vaginal burning." Mm-hmm. And when my gynecologist, after seeing many gynecologists, finally I went to one who specializes in pelvic pain, and she would tell me, "She like you have pelvic pain." And I was like, "What are you talking about? Like, I have vaginal burning and itching and bladder frequency and right. like I had lower back and sciatica pain." And she was like, yeah, you you have pelvic pain. You have to see a pelvic floor physical therapist. But it's just hard to kind of sometimes connect those two pieces of like, okay, pain is just a really broad term and Mm -hmm. everyone's pain is different. And I actually kind of like like, like the word pain in a weird way because Uh it's just a term for discomfort and it kind of simplifies everything, you know, instead of like trying to be so specific and like, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I have a form of pain. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? That makes sense. And it makes it, like,
0: easier to, for me and for, like, other people to wrap their head around. Yeah. In a, in a weird way.
1: No, I, I agree. Like, yeah. I think it makes it more tangible sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, you endo symptoms are, like, so wide-ranging. Right. It's like, well, I don't have these, but I still have this. And I think it also goes with, like, your stage that mm. you're at and, mm-hmm. you know, how many years you've been doing with like dealing with it um but if people are going to ask you those such like specific things and you don't fit that box it can be frustrating yeah um okay last question is
0: do you have any sort of resources that you think would be helpful to share with everyone listening that have helped you throughout Mm -hmm. this process and i know that we talked a lot about journaling i think that's a good Resource for not not necessarily a resource, but like something that helped you along the way that people can also do. But I don't mm-hmm. know if like you know books or anything that you would recommend.
1: Yeah, um, I read. And if no, that's okay. Yeah, I actually so a book that I really like is mm-hmm. by Abby Norman. Mm-hmm. Um, Ask me about my uterus. I don't know if you've heard of that. I've or, never, it's I don't. It sounds familiar, but I haven't read it. Yeah, she. Is, I got to see her speak at a book tour when she was here Um, it was in Astoria she came Uh Um, and she has written this whole book she has endometriosis but she has a host of other um, Mm -hmm. chronic illnesses and so the whole book is like her journey Um, and she she is such an inspiring person and an excellent writer and she really goes into like the medical jargon and she she is someone who was not listened to you know she like talked about going to doctor after doctor after doctor and not having resources where she was living so she educated herself Mm -hmm. and advocated for herself and how difficult it's been um so i know that she sometimes comes to the city uh for tours and everything but i would highly recommend that book um ask me about my uterus yeah i'm gonna link it in the show (laughs) notes perfect um if anyone
0: wants to reach out to you do you want to give your email if and yeah, and like I don't know, wants to talk to you about their any anything that they
1: have. Absolutely, um, yeah. My my email is Kelsey K E L S E Y mm-hmm. Renee R E N E E Bates B A T E S at gmail dot com. Cool. So I'd love to hear from you guys. Cool,
0: and I'll link that. I'll link the book, and I think
1: that's it. Awesome. Thanks so Thank much for
0: having me. Thanks for sharing your story <laughs> and being so articulate and descriptive and letting everyone listening know that there are more people out there who are going through this and coming out on the other side
1: yeah you're not alone no
0: thank you (laughs) thank you